Welcome to Multiple Offers, a real estate show with competing perspectives. Today, we are talking about searching for a home. Put that coffee down. If you're good at something, never do it for free. How'd you get the gig? Oh, you know, they were hiring. It was only a two-week course. I will sell this house today. What are you, some kind of real estate agent? Oh, he's a realtor. There is a difference somehow. This is Multiple Offers, a real estate show. Guys, it is episode 45. It sure is. It sure is. DJ. And I I am back. I I missed you guys last week. We missed you too. And I'm excited for probably what's going to be the shortest podcast episode ever. We're going to be fast? We're talking about searching. What are we going to... We're going to tell people, like, get a computer or your phone and and look for for houses. Well, don't give it away. (laughs) That's (laughs) the secret. Thanks for tuning in. I feel like there must be more to it than that, or we wouldn't have picked this as a topic. I guess we'll find out. I guess we'll find out. I can't handle moving off of 45 after we went to so much trouble to find a 42 reference and a 44 reference, and you're not even going to talk about 45? Was that a Canuck? No, DJ. Why did I say J? Donald J. Trump, that's why. Oh. Oh. I am lost in my own head right now. Yeah. Okay, let's move on. So so Jeff's back. I'm back. Can you tell us what happened in Vegas? Well, it's supposed to stay in Vegas. But you, so you can't. That's a '90s joke. That is a '90s joke. But I'm a dad now, <laughs> people, so people I'm allowed still, to make. People still say that it's on the billboards in Vegas. Yeah, for old people. Yes. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I I was giving a talk mm-hmm. on on video, and one of the things that really happens when you give a talk is you get really sympathetic to everybody else who's giving a talk. Like I, I got so defensive. Multiple times I went to other people speak, and if somebody asked, like, a question that was really aggressive, I was ready to jump over my chair <laughs> and, like, tackle them. Like, this this one woman, this guy's talking fast, and he's a young guy, he's 25, and he's done, like, all this cool farming stuff online. And this woman puts up a hand mid-speech, and he's like, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, is there something? And she's like, you're talking too fast? I need you to slow down. And he was not. You could understand every word he was saying. But it threw him off. The rest of his talk was like he was... you could hear him. He was like he'd start to go fast and then he'd slow oh, himself no. down. I felt so bad for him. And this this other guy, his talk was three pieces of equipment you need when you're getting started with video. And he talked about how to pick a camera, how to pick a tripod or a gimbal, and how to pick a good microphone. I feel like he fulfilled his end of the bargain. This woman puts up her hand at the end of it. It might have even been the same woman. And, and <laughs> she she's, was everywhere. She's like, I thought you were going to teach me how to edit video. And he had like a little 10-minute talk in the middle of a trade show booth. And he's like, um, well, that would probably take me a couple days. And, and the title was Three Pieces of Equipment. And she's like mad at him. She's like, well, I came here to learn how to edit video. I'm never going to get that time back. I just felt so bad for these people being like heckled. Yeah. But it, it's a weird. So did you, you get heckled? No. No bad questions. I, I, well, I didn't get – I got questions, questions from a moderator. So they got filtered. Uh, okay. Like they would give him the questions, but he was able to like, – No, we're not He's like, that. yeah, that's no. not happening. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's kind of yeah. nice to have a buffer. So if you're doing public speaking, try and get a moderator. Get a buffer. Yeah, that's a good good move. What, what about you guys? What's going on? Uh, I don't know. I mean I got – we did a video when you weren't here. Okay. Um, we're on YouTubes now. Yeah. That we're, happened while you weren't here. Yeah. Um, what else did we do without Jeff? That was about it. There's a there's a bit of a steep learning curve to 
taking this show into video format. So we spent sure. we spent a fair amount of work on it last week, and it's no Picasso, but you know, <laughs> yeah. we're we're open to feedback. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just it's only going to get better. Feedback at morealestateshow.com. Did I get it right? I think so. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Cool. Well, we just... before we get into the main topic, is there any is there any news this week, Matt? Yeah, I've got some news. You, I don't think you guys have heard this story. It's it's, it's a bit detailed breaking. and obscure, but it's really interesting real estate news. So let me see what you guys think about it. I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. I got a news flash for you, Walter Cronkite. I am enlightened. Do it live! I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live! This is Multiple Offers, a real estate show. So I was uh, looking for news stories, just real estate news stories to share with you guys. And one that came up, I just did a general search. I said, what do you got out there? And usually they come from the major news outlets, but this was in the Burnaby Now. The Burnaby Now the has Bur- breaking news. It, I'm not, it's not breaking news. It's just different news than what most people have to say. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> usually everybody talks about the same thing. Yes. Right? And right now it's the beginning of a new month, so everybody's talking about the stats. Yeah. But, but that's, anyway, this is not about stats. This is, the headline is, BC Real Estate Audits reveal widespread tax evasion. Shocking. Well, <laughs> real estate agent audits? No, 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 no. Real just estate real, transactions. Just, just real estate audits across the the province, okay. right? So auditing, you know, these satellite families, these, you know, student or uh, homemaker with a $10 million house and this kind of stuff. Um, there's a lot in here. So I'm going to put the link to the article if you're intrigued by this. But I just I, want to I'm give intrigued. you some of the highlights. Right. Uh, because there's there's a lot to it. Uh, but the, the thing that stood out to me that I first saw was after reporting a record number of audit assessments in 2018, amounting to about $170 million in revenue collected by the government. Nice. Well, they had to make up for the property transfer tax <laughs> numbers that were so down. <laughs> except they increased the property transfer tax numbers as well. So Canada Revenue Agency is expected to receive a treasure trove of data from the new homeowner declarations that we have to make for the speculation and vacancy tax. Okay. So to do these audits, they're going to use the information that we've provided to say, because if you want to make that declaration for the tax exemption, you have to claim residency status as far as the taxes goes. And re- and tax residency is different than the citizenship or other residency cards. It's just where is the bulk of your income coming from? Right. So if you want to say that you make a claim to get the tax rebate on the speculation vacancy tax, you're going to say that your income is Canadian. And now they're going to cross-reference that. Nice. And they're going to start to put all these pieces together and say... Gotcha. Yeah. It was a trap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there's a lot. And it says the province is estimating it will collect $642 million over the next four years nice. from this new tax. That's why they kept telling us, don't worry about it. It's it's not going to affect you. Just don't don't worry about it. Just fill out the form. <laughs> Excellent. Now, I'm still... There's nothing in here that, that's speaking to how it's going to affect real estate values. And I can't necessarily say that it will. But it could change people's motivation to, to buy in Canada if they think it's a way of going and having a home and then not contributing to the tax base. The whole premise behind this article is these people are are living in Canada, they're using all the services, but they found a loophole that they're really not contributing anything to the income tax base. Right. Right. 
So go get them. Stay tuned. So, yeah, so there's a little more. Uh, I found this really intriguing. BC versus Ontario. Uh, for the average in 2018, it was $99,000 per audit in BC. But in Ontario, it was $17,000. Hmm. So we've got, obviously, the ultra-luxury, I guess, right? So they're finding right. that there's there's a lot of income that hasn't been declared. Um, so the last thing I will quote from this that I thought was... Uh, Kind of got my attention. For satellite families, in general terms, by filing an exemption under the BC Speculation and Vacancy Tax, you are admitting to a government agency that you are Canadian resident for tax purposes. And now the expectation from the government is that you are going to be paying income tax. They're like, look, we've got this form. <laughs> you said. It'll <laughs> <laughs> be so, fun to see how that plays out. That's a new little ripple layer there. A, a rather in-depth article. I've really just kind of... And the Burnaby Now is breaking that story. Yeah. Let's give, let's give the author credit. Graham Wood of Glacier Media. Good job. And maybe that's over... Glacier Media has all sorts of little sure. uh, community publications. So maybe it's in your local paper if you're listening somewhere else as well. Name Yeah, your city plus the word now that might be in there. <laughs> There's a few of those. A couple. Yeah. Heard, yeah. It's usually how it goes. Cool. All right. Well, that's the news. Let's talk about how to search for properties. Now you want to get nuts? Come on. Let's get nuts. You decide your own level of involvement. Well, I guess this is a case where we'll have to agree to disagree. I don't agree to that. Neither do I. Wrong. National debt. Wrong. Wrong. Advocate. Wrong. With that money, Wrong. Lost Wrong. 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 Very nice words, but happens to be wrong. You're listening to Multiple Offers, a real estate show. This topic seems so basic that it's almost surprising that it took us 45 episodes <laughs> to discuss it. And I, I can't remember who pitched it, but I remember us all sitting around the table being like, how have we what? not <laughs> talked about this so far? So where are we going to start? Should we start with, I've just had the idea, maybe I've gone out and got my pre-approval. Like, where am I? I'm a buyer. Well, where every, am I every, on the Well, timeline? everybody starts searching before they even consider their finances. Right. Okay, so we're like, day one, it occurred to me that I might want to own a home. Yeah, stop paying paying rent, paying the man. Yeah. Okay, interesting. So Go you, to an open you, house. No, you might start Googling. You're looking. I think, I think that's even too... too that's, uh, that's advanced? That's uh, Yeah, I know. You can't end up at an open house if you don't find out. I mean, you could just you could. wander the streets just on see a, a Sunday sign. afternoon. There's, there's a sign on a corner that says yeah. open house. I'll start with that one. Your results might not be what you're looking for. <laughs> So they have the power of the internet. Is this what you're telling me? I would hope so. Yeah. Yeah. If you're going to own a home, you probably need the power of the internet at this point. They don't send out... You know, you, our listeners probably don't know, but uh, we used to get real estate catalogs that would have the listings pre-internet. Um, I made a joke about that at the conference, and like a third of the room thought it was hilarious but two-thirds of the room had no idea what a, a listing catalog was. Like there was Print, just, Printed weekly. Yeah, I had to explain it. I'm like, you know, like before the internet, they sent out books with the listings, and I could see, like, all the millennials, like, oh. Yeah. It doesn't seem efficient. No. <laughs> <laughs> 
where you had to drive around looking for signs, like we learned when Mick McLennan was here. That was Mick's, Mick's expert move, yeah. Um, okay, so, so you're so on all, the internet. all joking aside, yeah. everybody's going to start on the internet, right? They're going to start with some basics as to what they maybe think is the right price point for them, not knowing necessarily what their pre-approval is, but just doing some basic math, right? Yeah. Try to look in that right zone. Maybe they jumped on a mortgage calculator online. Yeah, got a quick idea of yeah. what they thought was maybe their budget. And now they're just sort of looking in that that uh, price band and yeah. seeing what fits. But very quickly, they don't know what site they've ended up on. Right. Yeah, let's talk about the sites. We've got, in Canada, we've got Realtor.ca, it's called now. Yep. Um, that one should have... Should have everything that's listed on the MLS and in the area. Um, I believe it actually has the listing agent's name if it's their listing. I don't go on this site regularly, but uh, <laughs> I don't want to break down a uh, hundred thousand websites. Uh, no, I'm not. I'm not even talking that. But it's it's important for people to know if they are searching on these websites that that oh, I'm on an agent's website and holy crap, they have a lot of listings. And in fact, it might not actually be their listings. Right. Um, so it could be confusing that way for people to know. Yeah, there's realtor.ca and I'd say REW are mm-hmm. the two that the public usually goes to first. Well, those are the most common. And yeah. REW, I think, just has a really strong standing and reputation in the marketplace. Yeah. Realtor.ca advertises itself quite heavily. And we pay for that advertising because mm-hmm. it's provided by the boards, the brokerages. It's the one and only place that is sort of the safest third-party platform that is there to represent every property and every agent. Right. Every other platform outside of that has some sort of vested interest in which properties or which agents it's showing you and it's trying to funnel your attention and your, your, the leads, the opportunity to earn a commission to specific people. Right. So Realtor.ca. And, ends and some of them might even be holding information back. If they want you to sign, a, you've got the, the form that comes up that, oh, you want to see more pictures or you want to see more information. Um, that's a way of them collecting your data, right? So it's kind of another thing to, to watch out for. But I think for the most part, the Realtor.ca site will have basically all the information and even some, some more that we don't necessarily have on our searches, like demographics and things like that for the neighborhoods just slowly kind of getting getting up there but yeah they're trying to build that site to make it everything that the consumer is looking for so that the people will go there and they will get connected with the agent who represents that listing they're, they're trying to buffer before zillow gets here yeah like and zillow if, if you don't know is a huge real estate search site in the states mm-hmm. they have launched in canada but right now they're using it to market canadian listings to americans i was talking to some of the zillow guys down in vegas a hundred percent, they're they're coming. So I think Realtor.ca is doing everything they can to be relevant once Zillow gets here because Zillow is a beast. Like they in the states, it's the number one search engine. Well, and what's shocking to me is that so many different organizations have tried to build the best search yeah. engine for for real estate, and they, there's still there's ways of refinement or ways of making better and all the rest of it. But what anybody needs to know, in my opinion, listening to this show, is that all of the information available is the same. Yes. It's just how you package it. Yeah, it's all presented differently. Yeah. And, then, and then there's, as far as the listing information goes, right? It's what, it's what we as the agent has provided on the data entry form. That's what's out there. Yeah. Now, Zillow's and the Realtor.ca's and others are trying to supplement that with demographic information or maps that show you schools and other things to try to package all of it together in one cohesive platform that makes it really helpful for the user. And that makes sense to me. Well, and, and I think... What Zillow may do better than any of these other public sites when they get here is actually provide a user-friendly experience. I don't know about you guys, but I get incredibly frustrated on all the public sites 
it's hard to search for a listing and to get the specifics that you want in there. Um, we as realtors can do a very specific search and get really into the minute detail. But on the public sites, if you're doing yourself, it's a frustrating process. It is. There's definitely, as the term that Jerry likes to use, the gatekeeper, right? Yeah. Yeah. So there's that element to it, but a site like Zillow makes it easy. So if they're not asking you, if they're forcing you to put in your name or email or whatever it is, and they're giving you all this information, then what's the catch? Like where, how do they benefit? They're flipping it because they're going to try and sell you to the realtor. That's right. Is is how they, they they just flipped it instead of trying to sell the, yeah. So to get ahead, some of, some of these changes that are coming, there's these new websites that are coming um, from the States. I think that's another thing to know is you might even see like preferred agents on there and things like yeah. that. Know that they're, they are getting a kickback from that agent should they push them that way. Yeah, those realtors um, are paying. To just for full, full disclosure, right? When you're yeah. on those sites, it's not necessarily that that agent is the guy you need to talk to with the best agent in that in that area. Um, he just There is an, an agreement there in place that if you do give that, that website your information, it will be um, potentially handed off to other people, or if you actually find the agent through that, it's it's that's kind of how the um, how it's been organized. Yeah, I think so. The real summary of that is to understand that any website beyond Realtor.ca is potentially sending you to a different agent. Yeah, like and, even Remax's site is a good example. If you go on the Remax website, you can search every listing in the Vancouver area. Now, if that listing is a Remax agent, it's going to tell you the contact info for that agent. If it's not a Remax listing, it will still tell you a Remax agent you should contact. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what you need to know as the searcher. If your desire was to get in touch directly with the listing agent and say, hey, I'm interested. Do you have an open house coming up or can I come and see it on Tuesday afternoon? If you're not on realtor.ca, there's a very low probability that you're actually getting in touch with the real agent. We get those messages all the time. Yeah. Yes. And one right. of the, the, the biggest challenges with these, once once you're actually getting to a point where you're ready to start searching, searching, not just it's Wednesday night and I have not, nothing going on and I want to just sort of look for places, um, is you don't want to actually keep typing in those search fields every single time. You want to start saving them. So if you're on one of those sites, they may let you do that, but you're going to have to give some of your information for that purpose. And they're either farming that out or they're going to be contacting you maybe more than you'd like. Um, so, and the other thing is sometimes there can be a delay for those listings might not be as soon as they hit the market. If you were in a really active market, it's a lot better now, but it, that used to be the case that it could be, yeah, it could be two days or so. It used to be a two-day delay. I don't know if it still is or not. It's, well, they've definitely tightened it up now. Yeah. yeah. A lot of sites won't have it the same day that it goes on MLS. A lot of them will. Yeah. Um, and but, the only reason why they delay it, it's their choice. It's just to try to get accurate information. Because our job as the agent, once our listing goes live, is to mm-hmm. double-check that info, maybe add some info, add pictures, and these sites would rather be showing it to people when it's a full listing information yeah. detail, right? So so let's say you want more power than what the public sites are going, and you decide to work with a realtor and set up a search. Can we talk a little bit about common search mistakes people make? I got a list. <laughs> All right. Okay. Are you guys ready? Give me one. That wasn't a setup either. I had no <laughs> idea that you made the, this well, list. if you see my notes here. Um, I took a picture of your notes, but I couldn't read them. Is that what's, <laughs> so I can see a picture on your, your iPad now? Yeah. yeah. Um, pictures lie, I wrote. Um, wide, la- wide angle lenses, all sorts of different tricks going on with pictures. Even you might say no to a, a listing just because the it could be an amazing listing. It could be the perfect one for you, but the agent doesn't, you know, they're just using their camera phone. 
Yeah. So it shows horribly and you skip it within like two seconds of it popping up in your results because it was it wasn't good. So the pictures can lie, say like both ways. Um so yeah. you gotta kinda be careful for for that. Because nowadays, especially on those sites, you might end up because you're not necessarily filtering all the criteria all the all the listings out with the best criteria, you you end up getting a big list. And so it's really easy just to go next, 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 next. So that that was kind of one of the first ones I had. I, I think too, and if people want a more in-depth conversation. What episode did we – we did a whole episode on pictures and whether it's better to overdo them. I'm looking at Matt because I feel like you know the episode number. I think it was episode 20. Yeah. Talking pictures. Talking pictures. With Danielle. Yeah. Okay. So pictures lie. That's mine. Yeah. That's mine. Uh, were you asking about mistakes creating your search or – So I I was asking about mistakes right from the beginning, like things people put in their search that they probably shouldn't. It's hard for me to think of that off the top of my head. I wasn't quite ready for it. But I guess there are some things that you don't want to sort of pigeonhole yourself with where they're like, oh, I really need this. Yeah. If somebody says, well, I really like to have two bathrooms, but they could live with one bathroom, then don't make your minimum two bathrooms. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty obvious and easy one. I've got two that I think of right off the top of my head. The first one being laundry. I... So, I don't know if they can search. It so, might not be on well, we can. we can. We can. So I'm talking about so, when So, so when Jeff said you've come to an agent, a, you yeah. found a professional to help yeah. you do that really, really refined, don't detailed just, search. Don't so just check it, that it's box. It's a really finicky thing that you would never think of, but there's two spots for laundry when we fill out our forms. There's appliances included, which always says washer, dryer if there's laundry. But then there's another thing that's just check the box. Does this suite have in-suite laundry as an amenity? And if you put in laundry on the MLS search as a criteria, it's checking the check your box, did the realtor fill it in as amenities? And I find when I'm looking for places, the most common mistake realtors make when they're filling out the form is they write in the comments that it has laundry, they include it in the appliances, but they forget to put it in the amenities, and then you're never going to see that it's not part in of your the search. search. Yeah. And I'd rather see some that don't have laundry than miss a good one, especially because that good one a lot of people are going to miss because a lot of people are forgetting. Oh, oh I've the seen box. a few of them. Yeah. I've yes. taken clients through and have been like, Hey guys, yeah. Just so you know, we're the only ones, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or you, could, you could do the opposite or like the, 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 the double negative of, well, don't show me ones with shared laundry as one of the options. Right. Yeah. But you could have places that actually they added laundry. They were able to add laundry to that unit, but the building totally. still has shared laundry. So yep. somebody clicks that box. Um, so that's definitely, yeah, that's a big trap that, that yeah. you can get kind of caught in. That, sure. that is one that a lot of people were sort of, it was a very, very common criteria when I first started. Yeah. And for exactly that reason, I stopped including it on a search Yeah, pretty yeah. early in. And still, I can't believe people still do it in a sense, because if there's anything I've learned from our marketplace, I think all the the, the consumers out there as well know, there's a lot of bad realtors <laughs> who get their data entry wrong. Yes. And your search is only as good as the data in the listings. Right. And there's a couple people in that chain. So not necessarily, you know, it could be an assistant. It could be whomever kind of entering it, the office people. Yeah. But, but, sure. it but the, gets the end result is there are a lot of there's listings yeah. that have had errors in their data. Yeah. Entry. So if you get really refined in your search, you are going to miss properties that definitely would have fit what you're looking for. Yeah. Right. So you do have to keep it broad. And then as you were saying, Jerry, when you're clicking through so many photos because you've kept it broad, you're going to get a lot of results. Yeah. But it's kind of the only way. I'd rather have more. Yeah. The the other one I think of is den. Because dens get called all sorts of different words. There's den, no good. flex room. 
office. There's no good definition for it. I mean, most yeah. people have a have a defined definition of what they require for a den. Um, but <laughs> you just because of marketing and advertising, you have people saying like, that kind of is like a den. It, I'm like going to call that a den. There's like a little indented corner in the side of the room. Yeah. I'm going to call that a den. It looks like yeah. a den. Yeah. We'll throw a desk there and call it a day. Um, I have geographical searches that can be problematic if it gets populated on um, on a map in the wrong place. And if that's your main criteria, instead of saying, no, I want downtown New Westminster, um, you can, things can get missed out. And it's sometimes the map gets messed up. Yeah. The listing gets placed. It auto populates. Um, the system finds it based on the address, but you know, in new West we have numbers, streets and avenues, things can get kind of skewed and, and that location of that house could be in the wrong spot. And we talked about it in the new West neighborhoods episode, uh, where, a part of what everybody would consider downtown New West mm-hmm. actually calls those buildings, uh, they put them in the key as their neighborhood. And I don't think anybody thinks of Begbie as the key. Like, yeah. I don't know no. anyone. <laughs> <laughs> it's across the street from New West SkyTrain Station. It's yeah. exactly what people want as a downtown New West property. Yeah. So if you only if you say, no, I'm not really into the key. Like, I do really just want to be in downtown New West. And you check that box. There's a, a couple of buildings there in downtown that you will not get as results. Yeah. I have another one, square footage, um, for a couple of reasons. Uh, layouts can have a huge determining factor on like how, how much square footage it is. A thousand could feel like you know eight, 800, 850, um, depending on layout. So being a little bit too picky about, no, I'm not, I would never live in a place that's 950 square feet. Set that at a thousand. I need to tell my friends that I live in a thousand square feet. And, then, and yeah, and then they can, they can miss places. And, yeah. uh, and the square footage is, um, you know, they're kind of all over the place on, on the MLS too, whether somebody had something measured by a, a measuring floor plan company, whether they're taking strata plans. So those, those can, can be all over the place. This question feels like it's an easy layup for you guys. That's a sports reference. Um, but, so we'll pass this one on to Matt. Yeah. But how specific do you want when a buyer comes to you, the buyer to be about where they want to live? Oh, I like very specific. Like this is the building like, I like want to live in? Newest Minster. Okay. In the, in the beginning, if they're really new, we're talking about that person who's just kind of decided and they're discovering their budget and all the rest of it. Yeah. It's okay to have a few communities in mind. Yes. You do want to find some way of narrowing it down, though, or you will be forever swimming in too many results. Yeah. I think priority number one, I really agree with you, is start eliminating. Like, you can start with a big net, but you want to go and be like, can I see myself living in Coquitlam? If the answer is yes, great. But if the answer is no, cut that sit, like yeah. cut it Go right hang, out of the hang search. out there for the weekend. Yeah. yeah, or if you know yourself and you say, "I don't need the shiny new. I can scratch those off the list." Or I really do want new. I want the peace of mind that I'm not going to be dealing with new projects in a condo building or, or new projects in an old condo building. Right. <laughs> <laughs> then you can scratch those off the list, and that will at least refine your results. That you may still have three or four communities on your search. Mm-hmm. But the results you're getting are limited because you've put a, a limit on the age of the building, uh, which can, again, have you miss opportunities. Yep. So you need to know what is absolutely most important to you. But you've definitely got to narrow that focus because I find if you don't and you're getting you know, five results per day in your inbox, yeah, there's just too much. They can never really find the one that's right and you'll, you'll go on and on and on forever just looking at results. Hmm opportunities missed i think there what else we got i've back to kind of pictures 
because I just think it's it's kind of like I know we kind of talked about this a lot, but um, there it, there could be like even a, like a, based on someone's searches that is clicking over pictures. I mean, if there aren't pictures or or there's only a few or just a building, um, we've seen great listings that were like that. So it could actually mean like there's less competition on that listing, less people have seen it because of that. Everyone else is overlooking it. So back to kind of that that other point I made, but could be a good one. Yeah, nine times out of ten, no pictures means it sucks. But every once in a while, it just means the realtor is not on their game that week. Well, and I've seen bad pictures like, yeah. taken on a cell phone that make... Of a good listing. Of a good listing. Because yeah. we've now become accustomed to professional photography done with a wider lens that shows the room better, that the colors pop. Mm-hmm. And if somebody just takes very basic, rudimentary pictures, you think it's a bad listing. But we know enough to be like, oh, no, I, I know what that actually looks like in real life. And it looks way better than those pictures in comparison to the other stuff out there. So you do need to keep that in mind as well, is that sometimes the pictures are bringing the listing down and you mm-hmm. need to look past it. Because it's it's great to get excited about the pictures when you see them and say, that's the one I want to see. But I've certainly noticed that where I go, hey, how come like you sent me this one, but you didn't mention that one as a favorite? Is there a reason? They said, oh, it looked like it really wasn't in very good shape. Like, it's just the mirror floor plan. <laughs> it's, the, it's the same unit. Yeah. You know, so so maybe keep that in mind. But I mean, there's a lot of, that you kind of have to filter back and forth and back and forth. We keep saying this. We're almost going to contradict ourselves the whole show. Mm-hmm. But that is where, where we can come in to help provide this guidance. I think once you've kind of set up that auto search and you've figured out what it looks like, then you need to see this stuff in person and, and have a representative like us help you refine your priorities, help explain to you if this is what you're saying, what you're looking for try looking at it through this lens or that lens or whatever it is to help really get them focused. How much pre-realtor searching do you think is ideal? Like before they pick up the phone and say, I want to call, I want to work with the new West guys. What's your ideal amount of self-education that your client has done? Three days. (laughs) (laughs) I'd like them to have at least listened to maybe three episodes of, of the show. Okay, is uh, there a quiz? <laughs> and then, and then there's a quiz. Which ones have you listened to? Okay, good. So this is where you're at. Um, I don't. I think I'm always an advocate for getting out there, seeing the neighborhoods. Go to Coquitlam, yeah, um, Port Moody, whatever. Spend a weekend there. See if there's things you like. See if you feel like you drive with it. Um, going to open houses, I think it's good to try and meet agents. Be careful because they're not necessarily experts in the neighborhood. Um, but it just kind of a good good way to interview i i personally and we've had this how to find find an agent conversation on a previous episode um but i think it's a good way to you have to actually go and see people and and see get a feel for the neighborhoods get well, a feel for but, some but agents Jeff's question was you're, you've decided you've, you're calling an agent when should you do that uh, when should you call yeah i'm, I'm serious dis- about three days yeah like you decided on monday I, i'm ready to buy a place yeah, I want to start looking at them. I don't really know what this process looks like. Yeah, I don't really know what I'm going to look at. Call me on Wednesday or Thursday. We're a lot more efficient, so yeah, you're you're kind of wasting some of your time just well, spinning wheels and and going to open houses when I could have told you right away that they didn't allow dogs there or that's not going to work or this isn't going to work just based on a quick conversation. Yeah, and if you get a good agent, they're going to make sure you're doing all the really important steps, like that you've talked to a mortgage broker and gotten your pre approval. That you like lining up. We go through this process a lot. Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> so, what I mean early yeah. on. It's okay to do that. And if and then if you decide, like, well, I'm not really ready. I want to look for a while. That's okay. But then you're looking the right way. Yeah. yeah even just even calling and being like, I don't know if I'm ready. Here's where I'm at. Does that 
you know, and, and kind of working through it. And it could just be a quick conversation, but there's no harm in that. I like talking to people really early in the process because just even if they're still in research mode, one of the nice things is if you get the criteria down, you can start sending them more information like sale prices, which if you're if you're not ready yet, sale prices is a really important piece of the puzzle to start start getting that info. Absolutely. Well, and we talked about this. This is what I think is my most common buyer mistake. And this is one of our very early episodes Mm -hmm. was that they tend to look online and look online and look online and then see the one that stands out from all the noise they've been seeing and they're excited and they go and see it in person. It's the first one they see in person. Yeah. And then they, they say to themselves, I'm not ready to make an offer on this because I haven't seen anything else. Yeah. It's like, but you have been educating yourself. You've been doing a good job of doing that, but now you're, you're missing that in-person perspective. So that's why I'm quite sincere that I want them to come and talk to me early on. Right. So that when the right one comes on, they feel ready to make that decision. Right. So I think that's really important in terms of how to search. That might be the most important thing that I, yeah. I come across. And and we, we keep speaking to condos too. Um, this all applies to houses as well. Like our yes. examples keep speaking to condos, but you talked about like what gets wrong on listing data entry um, for people out there looking at houses. I, I say don't make your search relative to lot size. Some people say like, oh, I really want to have a 6,000 square foot lot. Yeah, because sometimes a realtor doesn't do the math. They're like, yeah. it's a 66 by 120 lot, but then they leave the lot size blank because they don't know how to multiply 66 by 120. Yeah, they don't fill in the field. <laughs> yeah. Or it'll say like frontage 19 meters instead of in feet. Like there's there's a lot that goes sort of yes. differently on that, right? So there can be a lot that goes wrong on there. And the same thing goes with houses is that you've got to get out there and see them. I find people are a lot more, um, have an easier time just dropping into an open house on a detached house. Mm-hmm. I guess maybe just because it's outdoors and you can just wander in, just park yeah. on the street and wander in. And they, they condos seem to, people think to be a little more apprehensive early on. I do think that's really good advice though. Your, your point about when I see the right one, I haven't seen enough physically. I do really think the right way to search is you have to go look at ones even ones that aren't going to be the one that you're going to buy. You, you've got to get out and just walk through, you know, 10 or 15 condos, even if they're not all or houses or whatever, even if they're not right, you've got to, it's not the same as looking on the internet. You've got to walk through those homes yeah. and get a feel for, and you'll learn. Well, absolutely. You, you like that you didn't know. And I think the misconception is a lot of people think they should only be going to see a home if they can picture themselves potentially buying it. Yeah. And that's a huge mistake. Yeah. And that's kind of something that we, we talk about with our buyers, you know, before you take them out and, and, it, and you let them know part of this discovery is us learning about you and finding out, you know, what things are important to you, what things you like, even just subtle things that you didn't quite notice. Um, Cause that helps us on the, on the searching end to think of outside the box ways you didn't even think or, you know, areas that may have actually been cut off based on your downtown search because you're like, totally. actually, this checks enough boxes. Um, so getting out there with the agent too is is invaluable for for actually kind of getting a search really fine-tuned so that you're, you're not wasting time and it's efficient. You got anything else in your little notes, your points there, Jared? I don't know, man. I think that's... I've got a couple check marks here to make. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that that is probably the most essential summary there. Uh, one thing I want to ask, though is on the detached side, is how can you help someone when they're creating their search, when they're out there looking at houses, to understand the potential for a suite? Mm. 
because for a lot of people, it's maybe yeah. not a necessity, but they say, I'll buy a house for this price without a suite or a higher price with a suite or suite potential. And then what, what is suite potential? And then how do they look for that in a listing? And especially when there's sometimes the unauthorized suites that the city, maybe the, the homeowner doesn't want the city to know about right now. I don't think too many people follow it too strictly in terms of, can I walk down here? Is it like, is the ceiling height okay? I mean, there's, there's legal suites and things like that. And then the criteria or, or, or licensed suites and the grandfathered suites. But I think nowadays people are like, can I put like a student down here or, you know, Airbnb? Suite potential is harder than suite because... If it's sweet, either the listing says it, or you notice there's two kitchens in. Okay, the- so that's the hot tip, though. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, yeah. you just said that as if everybody knows that. Yeah, yeah, is yeah. If <laughs> if you need a suite already in there, a lot of times people won't advertise it on MLS because they don't want you know the city, city to yeah. notice there's a suite. Um, but they will have to say that there's two kitchens. So putting two kitchens in your search, it's a good hot tip, is is a worthwhile thing. Sweet potential. Other than actually calling the other the listing agent or getting in there and looking, I I don't know if there's just a a quick trick. You got to kind of walk around and be like, okay, how's the ceiling height? Does it have its own entrance? Can I put a kitchen somewhere? Yeah, my, that one's harder. And I always like to see first if there's some sort of bathroom or water right, something yeah. in the basement already. Yeah, you know. Um, but as far as searching, yeah, it's really hard to do that, and that's what becomes really challenging because you're like, well, Jeff, I only want to buy a house up to eight hundred unless it has a suite. Then I'll consider up to a million. And you're like, well, here's this one that's asking nine fifty. It doesn't have a suite. Right. So should your search just go up to nine fifty or a million and show you everything, and you have to flip through each one and check if it has a basement, check if it has enough basement height, and all that kind of stuff, right? Those are the ones that become yeah challenging. But I think the only way to be successful is to actually invest in really looking at them. Yeah, individually. I think you have to see more yeah. and just know that some of them aren't going to. Houses are so unique. They, they are, yeah. right? Now, now for us, like we want to be hands-on. We want to be a valuable resource to our clients. And if they're com- those, those listings are coming on, we're going to look at them and try to see if they're the right fit. But there can be a lot of them. Yes. Should the listener, the consumer's perspective be, I expect my agent to look at every house that comes on and decide if it's beyond my $800,000 budget, if it does have sweet potential? Should they put all of that on their agent and just assume they're going to tell them when the right one comes on? Is that the buyer's agent's job? I think if you want that from your buyer's agent, you definitely need to have a conversation because people work differently. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a fair expectation, but you better tell your buyer's agent that that's what you want. And they better be telling you that that's something they can do because not all of not everybody will be working on that individual level. Yeah, the, the, to me, I think there's a bit of a misconception in the marketplace that the buyer's agent's expectation is to find the home for the buyer. Right. And I don't really think that that's their primary function. I, th- I think that was our value when realtors had all the information and the public couldn't get it. Now that the public can get all the same information we do, I think our value is in our advice and our experience and our ability to help them negotiate that overwhelming amount of information. Definitely, and interpreting it. Yes. Right? So they can say, hey, Jeff, I found this one. I really like it. Yeah. It's asking 900000 Do you think it's got potential to work? Yeah. So they send that into you. Yeah. And then you can dig in. Yeah, 100%. Like the relationship I have with most of my um, – uh, buyers is 
I set them up so they're getting all the listings automatically. But then I've got a system. You guys use PCS as well, right? Yeah. Yep. So in in that's just a for the listener. That's just a, an alternate system to the regular MLS that some agents use. And I always tell them, I'm like, you have access to the site, and I do too. Mark the ones you like as favorite, and then I'll go find out all the information on the ones you mark. But you tell me which ones you want me to dig deep on, and I'll keep an eye out on it too. And if I'm like, hey, you didn't mark this one, and it looks amazing, why didn't you do that? But I like I like my clients to star the ones that they're like, hey, these are the ones. Yeah, you create, can, create a short list. Yeah, yeah, and and a lot of times I come back to them. And I'm like, okay, three of those ones you you said like they look like a deal for a reason. They're kind of hot garbage. <laughs> <laughs> I find it amazing too sometimes, um, and it's just part people like being hands on. Um, the consumer wants the buyers; they they want the information. I mean, that's why you see totally. this big shift in new websites, and we're about to have sold prices posted and things like that. Um, but how many people, even though you have this killer search set up that we've defined, and you're you're filtering through listings, um, are still going on these reciprocity sites and other sites online looking even though it's the, the same even though it's the exact same, same information, information like you, you yeah. might miss something you still get it where you still email well, what about this one remember that was the one i told you is leaky they've got like a hundred grants assessment coming up um no and like they'll, they'll still kind of filter through that yeah um still happens which is just kind of kind of interesting but i mean that's a good it, it's all the the same information you're not going to find something on a website that for some reason isn't on our system well and if they're not getting it it's something in their criteria has flagged it yeah. Oh, that yeah. too. You're like, I thought you said you needed pets. This one you said <laughs> yeah. doesn't allow pets. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. There's a reason why it didn't come through, right? So we've we've got we have the ability to create that defined search. Um, the public needs to know that when you're finding a listing and you're communicating with somebody to find out more, that you should be aware that you might not know who you're communicating with. It might not be the representative for the listing. Yeah. So I, I think. What it really boils down to is if you have a strong idea of what you're looking for, if I just summarize really how to the best way to search, and this sounds totally self-serving, but you do need to have an agent on your side. I, I think of, of anything, like you probably came to this show thinking, like, I want to do it myself. I want to be independent. All the information's out there. You can be so much more effective with somebody helping you. Yeah. You do this once every five to 10, 15 years. We do it on a daily basis. Well, and it, it's free. <laughs> you you don't pay for a buyer's agent. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just imagine though, like you find a place you like, and you're like, oh, I just want to confirm, like, if it allows rentals or if it allows pets, and you send a message to the agent whose name is on the web page that you're looking at that listing. Yes, it turns out you didn't send that question to the agent who represents the seller. You just send it to some random who is really good at drawing you in yeah. and wants you to be their client. Now, that person is going to go and reach out to the other agent and wait to get that information, start communicating with you. And now you've got this intermediary Mm -hmm. that was just really unnecessary. If you had your own agent on your side, it doesn't matter who represents the listing. You just say, hey, Jer, I want to know if that one has Pat Skeelk into that for me. Done. Like You know you're going to get an answer. Yep. Right? Yeah. Well, that's probably everything I wanted to cover. Did you you guys all say your your piece? Definitely. I, I think so. All right, well, I want to hear a story. A story? I thought you were going to ask a question. Yeah, you got to ask a... No, we flipped it. Oh, yeah, we are doing story time now. You're not, you're not ready for the bumpers? <laughs> I had question queued up. <laughs> it's story time with Jer. Great story. Compelling and rich. It's not always my story? No, it's not always your story. What if Matt has an awesome story to tell? Well, he can tell it to me or write it down and I will... <laughs> 
Paraphrase. This is Multiple Offers, a real estate show. So, Matt, you want to tell a story? Oh, we're doing story time. Yeah, we're yeah, doing story I, time. You guys teased me before no, we I was recorded. Ready. I thought it's it was going to be question of the week. It's all and it going to be Jeff's segment. I'm throwing that off. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, I will open this story by saying that uh, it started off with the possession. We talked about this two episodes ago. We told you about how we met our client there, and she was going to move into this condo building, and one of the two elevators was down. Yes. And that was a very unfortunate way to start things when you're moving in because you're supposed to have an elevator reserved to move in. But like all bad things, they happen in threes. Threes. Well, so far we're at number two. So the elevators was not the end of the problem. We found out. So last week we went and met up with our client again, just sort of checked in and wanted to see how things were going. And this is the first we hear of it. Oh, yeah. No, the day after that, I went in and there was all these tradespeople and everything around and they were at my home. What? In In her unit? The unit above out front, yeah. flooded and flooded her entire home. Like day oh, after. The next no. day. Were they, do, they they were doing renovations or something above her? Or? And I um, I don't know if it was I don't appli- even know the source of the flood. Okay. I put the steel braided lines on in her place. And as soon as she said that, I was like, oh, God. <laughs> did it, like did you were worried that you, <laughs> you flooded that? <laughs> For, for a minute, but then I'm like, that would never happen. Okay. Um, um, but, you actually uh, put steel braided hoses, like you install the steel braided hoses? Yeah, I mean, it's the ins- inspector told us that it was important to put the... Yeah, I know. We thought it would be a nice gesture. It's a, I, I'm impressed. That's a nice... I had nothing going that's on a nice on a Sunday. Gift. I had the keys. They were out. She wasn't moving in yet, so I just... just... So you flooded her unit. <laughs> so flooded. You like fish. <laughs> so that was, yeah, horrible. Yeah, yeah, and and so her bathroom's torn apart right now. Oh. All of her flooring's torn up. She's got the fans running all the time. Everything is just... Now, fortunately, we talked about this last time with the elevator problem. Didn't need to vacate one home to move to this one. So there is some transition time. Now, of course, my first biggest concern, I said, I remember vividly, I told you... I didn't say this to her like that, but I was like, I have vivid remember, memory of saying, get your insurance. It must start the day you become the owner. That's an excellent point because what a lot of people don't realize in a condo is the condo has to have insurance, but only to restore it to the original condition. So if if there's been any renovations, that's on the owner. Well, and and you have if the person above you causes a flood and it floods your unit, the person above you was the cause, unless sure. it's unless it's determined to be some sort of um, failure in a strata system. Right. But if somebody upstairs just left the sink running, that's yeah. the individual's fault. That's not the strata. And if that individual is a renter or an owner who doesn't have third-party liability insurance, yes. they get no money to cover you. So then you need to have insurance just to cover the fact that the person who should have had insurance didn't. Yeah. So that's the basic part. And then there's the improvements as well. So she so she said, yes, I got my insurance. I had it done the day before. I had it. It was definitely oh, started. So I did a little jump up in the air and a fist bump. I was just so happy. Yeah. And then she said, but, you know, they're, they're saying that uh, I have to pay for some of my flooring because it's not original flooring. And, and that's okay. I'm totally okay with that, this and that. And I said, no, that's not the case. That's the insurance who's going to cover the guy upstairs. Who's telling? The insurance company is telling yeah, her that? Yeah, But it's not her insurance company. It's the right. other insurance company. She might company. not have started the claim process yet. With she she her, hadn't gone through all of it, yet, right? So. so there was some confusion there. So I was happy to say, oh, no, don't worry. That's going to get covered as well. 
Yeah. Uh, just, but you have to get your insurance involved. And I mean, the great thing about having insurance when this stuff happens is they'll fight amongst themselves about who has to pay for what. Yeah. In the end, your repairs get done. You do have to be your own advocate, though. I I had this exact same thing happen to me in a my place. The neighbor flooded my unit, and my hardwood bubbled, like just gigantic. And, and we had very expensive engineered hardwood. And the insurance company tried to replace it with a high-end laminate. And we, we had to fight with them. They're, like, you got you to gotta be on top of the insurance companies, because sometimes... At the end of the day, they're not your agent. They're working for for the insurer. Um, yeah, you do need to be on top of it. And if you're doing, you're, you're doing renovations and things like that, get uh, get let them know that yeah. you've added things. Take pictures. Yes, Important. document, document, document. Definitely. So, I mean, the moral of the story, why I really wanted to tell it, is that it was one day into ownership. Oof. So Nobody don't... thinks that this is going to happen to them. A yeah. lot of people say, oh, I was going to go and get the insurance on the weekend. Yeah. I was going to do it next week. It is absolutely critical. Yeah. You wow. have that insurance the day that you become the owner. Not if you have, the, we, we call it completion date in the biz, Yeah, but you don't get possession until three days later. Mm-hmm. Your insurance has got to start on completion date. Right. When that title become, goes into your name, you, you don't even you have access it. to it for three days. You still must have that insurance. So just a, a cautionary tale, a warning sign. Be careful. Insurance is so important. Well, that's a, a scary move-in day story, and I happen to have a move-in day question. Ooh. Check out the big brain on Brad. How's it working out for you? What? Being clever. Who knows where thoughts come from? They just appear. You're listening to Multiple Offers, a real estate show. So I had a move-in disaster. This is a question from me to you guys. Oh. Uh, How would you handle this? So we had a possession day. In the contract, they had a walkthrough right before possession day. How very American. How very American. Um, And we just lost our one American listener. Um, (laughs) That's how they do it. (laughs) Yes, they do. do, They they do that. Um, So they do their walkthrough. We get a letter from the buyer saying, thank you so much. You did everything. They had asked us to do a couple things. You went over and above. Really happy. Um, couldn't be more thrilled. And they, they had to, the way it was structured, they had to remove a holdback once, um, once they signed off on it. So we're thinking, great. And then a day after move-in day, I get an email from the other realtor being like, well, I guess it couldn't be as easy as we hoped. And he's got two issues that this buyer has taken with the property. Issue number one is some of the wiring was a little suspect and, and was attached. something was attached to a dimmer that shouldn't have been. Um, he had forgotten that we did disclose that, pointed it out to her before she had her home inspection. She had her home inspection. Inspector didn't make a big deal of it. She made a big deal about a bunch of stuff. That wasn't on the list. And then the other thing was the freezer... You know those two, so you're in a freezer and there's those two little indents that hold like the ice tray up. Those two indents had uh, buckled a little bit and the the plastic on them had cracked. This had happened long before uh, possession day. It was in that condition when, when she saw it. And she said to us, we got a letter from them saying, I had a clause in here that says appliances should be in good and working order. I do not consider this good and working order. Um... 
I would like the fridge replaced. How far do you go in your guys' opinion with with the good and working order clause of an appliance? And what should the so that we can add value to how much was the hold the back? consumers? Um, what what should a buyer expect? How much did they have held back? I think they held. I don't remember what the actual number was. There there were a few things that had to be done, and I think it was five or ten grand to like we. That's just, that's significant for. I don't know. I, I rarely see that for. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is clearly a buyer who it wanted to be got difficult burnt from the or, start. or wants to be a nit, nitpicky. I, I, I think, and I actually think she's probably a really nice woman. My interactions with her have been good. She's a first time buyer. And I don't think she understands the resale process versus the buying a new home. Yeah, I think that's entirely the case. Yeah. There, there's a very wide disconnect here on what reasonable expectations are. Yeah. Uh, beyond what my answer to this question is, she wants to make that complaint that will never hold up with no. any legal representative. That should have died with the the, the buyer's agent. Yeah. Um, what? Uh, how old is are the appliances? Uh, probably about ten years old. Yeah. Non 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 starter. Yeah. Yeah, is I mean, it the, working the, order for a ten year <laughs> appliance, which is amazing because most things aren't lasting ten years. Yeah, yeah. I mean, at that point, the the agent who's representing her has not done a good job of managing expectations from even before the inspection. Yeah, to come out of that inspection and have such high expectations of what's done, and then to come out of possession and have such high expectations, and then to take that request and have the guts to even communicate that to you, yeah. the representative for the seller. Well, and, and I know the other agent quite well. I won't say his name, but you guys do too. He's He, he would be somebody I would consider uh, very friendly with. He didn't say this to me. My feeling was he was going through the motions. Like my my response was, hey, we, don't cons- we do consider this appliance still in good and working order. It was in this condition when you viewed it. Nothing has changed. We are not giving you a dollar. And his response was, okay, thanks, I, I had to ask. So I think I agree with you. If it was me, I, I would have probably had a conversation with my buyer um, about how this is not a very reasonable expectation. But I, I don't think he expected. Sure, the agent didn't expect it, but I think the agent's actually doing a disservice to his own client. Yeah. Um, because I, I, I don't want to come across as like rude or difficult to my own client, but I think you're, you're creating false hope to give the idea that, yeah, yeah, let me go and ask the other agent and make them look bad that, yeah, they should have said yes. Yeah. Like, don't create this sort of ruse that it was ever a possibility. You just, you know, clearly you've, you've, you've miscommunicated along the way here with your client that, well, you know, it's a 10-year-old fridge. Yeah. You know, expectations are like this. And it's like, yeah, you know what, that, that really does suck that these are broken. Like, I, I feel bad for you as the agent. Let me see if there's something we can do about this. But to put that expectation on the homeowner with a 10-year-old fridge just doesn't line up. Yeah. Right. And I feel like that's what really should have been communicated to the client and it should have never reached you instead of trying to throw you under the bus. <laughs> because now unfortunately that buyer thinks that these are reasonable requests. Uh, and that Jeff guy, wow, what yeah. a piece of work. Right? That have just been denied. Right. Right. Now and stuff really gets weird like that. I've I'm becoming more and more hesitant to this stuff where I just want to tell people if if things get that difficult on possession day, it's like you're making essentially a, a claim for non-performance on a contract, and that's not my domain. Yeah. That's up to a lawyer, 
right? Like it's if you really want to go that far, especially when you when you first introduce this question talking about like holdbacks yeah. and money and that kind of stuff, and it's like, oh no, I'm holding my money back, you know, because I have really high expectations for how all this goes. That's the danger of it. That's why we don't do it that way in Canada, right? Because you start creating expectations that can't be met, and then these people with the holdback just find some reason. Oh, it'd be a, it'd be a mess in the court system. Keep some money. Yeah. So uh, anyway, probably not a surprising answer for you on the question. No, I, I, I just thought it was a worthwhile thing to discuss. So I think that probably does it for the episode today. Um, if you guys have been enjoying this show, please think about leaving us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you're getting getting your podcasts from. And if uh, you want to get in touch with Matt or Jer, you can find them at The Real Estate Guy, The New West Guys. I'm, Jeff's not I'm, here. I'm still, on, I'm, I'm still not here. Thenewwestguys.com. And if you want to reach me, uh, Jeff, I am at realestatenewwest.com. Awesome. All right, guys. Thanks. So I was going to talk to you guys about stupid questions in Vegas, but I, I realized I actually talked about it during my check-in. Oh. Um, so, <laughs> But what I will bring up that I meant to talk about in my check-in was Jer gave me a joke for... Uh, oh, right. I, I write jokes now. <laughs> yeah. Jer, Jer, Jer wrote me some jokes for, for the talk, and they killed it. Oh, you had more than one joke. Um, I used one of... I had more than one joke. Oh, okay. But Jer's joke played played really well nice, nice and it, nice. it was it, i mean it won't play now like is there a video there well i played a video which was funny and then you were proof? like after the video f- yeah there is after the video finishes you should say this and, and i said did. that and then and that there was that laughter compounded the video got a laugh but then jer's joke was like the topper that uh, you got some belly laughs, yeah, and then a lot of people were coming up to me afterwards and being like, "That was really funny," and I'm like, "Well, actually, my buddy Jer's really funny. I'm I'm so so funny, but combined." <laughs> Stay tuned for our cooking show. Yeah, it'll be a riot. Yeah, the guy who writes my jokes is doing a, a cooking show. <laughs> um, so you used humor successfully in Vegas. I two Americans, Canadians, and oh, and, and I and I pandered. I made jokes about being Canadian. And saying oh, sorry nice. too much. Sorry. Like, I, I, I just, like, pandered completely cool. to the audience. Yeah. And they cool. and it killed. Like, there were a couple times where I'm like, don't laugh that hard. That's not that funny. We're can- Us Canadians aren't that stupid. I, uh, <laughs> like, I'm actually resentful. <laughs> I really like that my, my jokes get to live on through you, because I would never do public speaking like that. I'd have way too much stage fright. Um, so really? I, can just, I can just write jokes for Jeff. He can just go on, and then yeah. I get to feel like, I'm a really good public speaker. Okay, yeah. I well, and I might need it because I I don't know if it'll happen, but one of the a guy from Western Canada was like, "Hey, we might want you to give this talk at Banff." Now, I haven't heard anything. He might have just been drunk or whatever. Um, but my I'm such a dumb Canadian jokes will not fly at a Western. So I'll need new we'll get, material. We'll so some, we'll get you writing. We'll get you <laughs> Sweet. That's awesome. And we'll go from there. So, yeah, that's all. I just want to say thanks, Jer. All right. Appreciate it.